welcome to the Flock Talk. Uh, seven episodes going strong, starting good. Uh, thank you all for tuning in today. Wherever you are, let us know where you're listening from. Comment on our Facebook page and search the Flock Talk at U of O Flock Talk. We're also on SoundCloud. Subscribe there and on iTunes. Pretty easy to get to. Just search any of our names, Gary Snyder, Rex Gardner, or TIB. And uh, download their apps as well on iTunes and the Google Play Store, wherever you are. Rex and T will join me shortly. Uh, once again, lot, got lots to get into today. Recapping the Oregon loss at UCLA. Another tough loss for the Ducks. Um, they get their record to 4-4. Four and four. Looking ahead to Utah this Saturday at Autzen Stadium. 245 on the Pac-12 network. Uh, World Series going on as well. We had a heck of a game last night. Houston Astros got the win over the Los Angeles Dodgers. And uh, Game 3 coming up Friday. Uh, also, we'll mention the Trailblazers as well. And we bring in the talented folks on the show, uh, Rex Gardner and TIV. Boys, how's it going? Pretty good, Gary. All right, so uh, always jump in to the first thing we always do on the show, and that is the Rex Report. And uh, Rex, take it away. Yeah, so last, as we know, last week we lost to UCLA 31-14. Pretty rough game, but the first half we were tied 14-14. Uh, you know, we, we uh, Braxton Mermeister scored with about, I think, 37 seconds left to go, four-yard run, uh, second rushing touchdown of the half. Uh, so, yeah, I thought Burmeister played a lot better uh, This as opposed to last week in the first half. He had a couple nice throws and looked a little bit more confident. was running the ball really well. Uh, he did take some shots, maybe that uh, as a quarterback you got to learn not to take, but that'll come along with everything else as well. But, yeah, he, you know, he, I mean, some other players as well – Looked like they got better, and the defense played a lot better in the first half. And then in the second half, we shut out again, third week in a row, and uh, putting the defense in some bad spots again. And so, you know, they, they did score 17 points in the second half, but I thought the defense still played pretty well, uh, all things considered. So, uh, yeah, kind of rough outing again. And uh, kind of this one is a little bit more sour just because we were, we were tied, and it did feel like, you know, we probably have – the chance to win this game and uh they scored uh you know they had a field goal right out the gate in the second half and uh, we were still in it they didn't score until three minutes left in the third quarter to go up 10 and it you know it's that kind of same thing t talked about a couple shows ago it's like that feeling you know it was like 10 points is insurmountable and it was like ah like i don't you know i don't think we could score 10 points in a quarter here so uh just a yeah it's just a weird um, scenario with the offense here still, but uh, let's take it into some stats just to be a little bit more specific. A little bit better box score than uh, last week when we really didn't have anything. Braxton Burmeister, 8 for 15, 74 yards, so we did throw it a little bit more. One interception, so I liked that he you know, he wasn't turning the ball over as much, uh, and even on more throws, so that was good. And Royce Freeman, another really big day. 29 carries, 160 yards, averaging 5.5 a carry, long run of 25 yards. Darian Felix, I thought, was a guy that played pretty well. Seven carries, 30 yards. Most of those were on uh, jet sweeps, where uh, a couple of those were third-down conversions. Braxton Mermeister, 16 carries, 27 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, receiving numbers, Charles Nelson leading receiver with four yards, four catches for 40 yards. And So bringing your yearly statistics, uh, Royce Freeman now has almost 1,000 yards, 957 yards, averaging si almost six yards a carry on the year, 10 touchdowns. Uh, pretty impressive numbers there. But Kenai Benoit as well, 375 yards on the season with eight touchdowns. And our receiving stats aren't 
aren't great just because the last few weeks we haven't thrown the ball much. But Charles Nelson is still your leading wide receiver with 19 catches, one touchdown on the year. And going to the injury report real quick, uh, same kind of injury report as we've seen last few weeks. A lot of guys are questionable for the upcoming game. Uh, Tony Brooks James, questionable. Uh, I think he might be back. It was a concussion, so I think he's probably going to clear the concussion protocol. Tyrell Crosby, same scenario. I think he's going to be back. Uh, Scott Picano, they don't know. They haven't disclosed what his injury is. Uh, Jonah Moy and uh, as well on the defense there. So I think those those two guys are really are questionable. Uh, Jake Pisarczyk, concussion. I think he's going to be back. Uh, Blake Rugraff, also undisclosed. And A.J. Hodgkins has been practicing. I know he's been out for about four or five weeks now, so I'm not quite sure what his scenario looks like. Um, and then, obviously, Justin Herbert is still listed as out indefinitely. And that'll be it for the Rex Report. All righty. Thanks, Rex. Um, moving on to uh, kind of deja vu, guys. More offensive struggles this week once again. I mean, we put up 14 points in the second quarter. kind of made me think that we would score – uh, at least that in the second half, but uh, didn't. And uh, a poor defense by UCLA, too. So uh, offense really struggling. Guys, what's going on? Yeah, Gary, uh, kind of feels like the last two weeks have been one really long game. I mean, once again, Ducks move the ball on the ground. The offensive line without Tyrell Crosby is just – it's kind of controlling the line of scrimmage. Their defensive line, they weren't – they weren't. I mean, they weren't special. They weren't – you know, their defense is one of the worst in the Pac-12. And we were we were we were moving the ball, but then you know we can't move the ball through the air. When you're when you're an offense like Oregon, you know you're not triple option. You're not, you know, the old school style. We have to be able to pass the ball, and and convert third downs. You know, third and shorts, third and mediums. You have to be able to throw it through the through the air. Um, they were only five for fourteen on third downs. That's not going to get it. You got to at least get that to eight. I mean, eight or nine when you're the Ducks um, to keep these drives alive. And then the Ducks also lost a turnover battle again, um, two two to zero. I mean, that, some of that's on the defense, some of that's on the offense. But Braxton, when when your quarterback is uh, quarterback play is so ineffective, he can't turn the ball over. He has to either let let the punter punt, or he has to you know we we have to have a chance. And turning the ball over two times against their enough uh, zero against their zero is is not a way to win ball games. Yeah, T. I think just this week moving forward. Uh, something like, I mean, coaches I'm sure are working on probably right now is they just need to find a way to get some sort of not trick play, sort, quote unquote, but just like a play that can get somebody in space, whether it's Freeman, Felix, any of those guys that can make big plays. Um, I think as long as we can find a way to get a couple big plays this weekend, um, that will help the passing, you know, the, the our lack of passing game. Uh, just because we're going to have to get creative. And uh, it's getting just too obvious, you know, running up the middle. And Freeman may, may get 160 yards, but he's not scoring now anymore. They're keeping him out of the end zone as well. So I think moving forward, we got to find they got to find some sort of way until Herbert gets back. Yeah, it, it feels like – it kind of feels like there's like three plays they're running. It's either the fly sweep, oh, gosh. the fake off the fly sweep up the middle, Yep. Or it's a rollout pass for Braxton. And I mean, when you're that when you're that predictable on offense, mm-hmm. dang, what do you expect? The defense are gonna learn these guys are division one athletes, it doesn't matter how bad UCLA's defense is. Yeah. They're gonna learn. They're gonna beat I mean, they they beat us yesterday. Second half they made the adjustment and we couldn't we couldn't move the ball at all. It was pretty ugly and second it, half. And Royce, I've noticed Royce uh compared to 
last year and even his, his whole career here. He, he, this is the best he's ever run at, as far as getting north and south oh, yeah. faster. He's, he's hitting the holes, trusting the holes, because the offensive line is so good. And so, I mean, he, that makes up for a lot of it just because he's so good at just hitting the hole immediately. But even then, it's, you know, it might not be enough. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's only, yeah. I mean, when you're running three plays, they got eight, nine in the box. I mean, what do you, you can't ask Freeman, you know, you can't ask Freeman exactly. to, yeah. Okay, moving on to the other side of the ball now. Talking defense. Always like uh, quoting Jim Levitt's tweets on Twitter. Uh, tweeting after the game, proud of the effort. At all times, our defense played pretty well, and at times we didn't. Although it's very difficult, we can rise up at the end. Also, uh, tweeting during the week. Uh, it is so darn important that no matter what the adversity is, our team must get through it together. This is what will be the only way. Uh, like what he says on Twitter, you should go out and follow him if you uh, don't follow him. He's pretty entertaining, and uh, he sure likes Pepsi as well. Um, <laughs> all right, so guys, what did you see on Saturday def defensively? Yeah, I really liked what I saw defensively. Uh, UCLA did put a couple drives together, a couple quick ones. Um, but, you know, really, for the most part, you know, they, they, let, they let up some yards, they let up some points, but um, – we, what we talked about, we said, hey, you know, if the Ducks score 32 points, 35 points, they're going to win this game, and that's what that's what the defense did. They We would have won this game if we had, had 35 points. Uh, I thought uh, Arian Springs played a great game. Uh, they couldn't even throw his way because he had that wide receiver that he was guarding or covering. I don't remember which wide receiver it was, but I, he whoever he had, he had him locked down the whole game. Uh, and he was the, the PPR or whatever that's called the uh, highest rated defensive player in the Pac-12 for the week. Uh, Henry Mondu was probably the only one on that defensive line that was making any sort of pressure or getting through. So I thought he had a good game. Uh, the sophomore linebacker, though, Lamar Winston Jr., uh, this is the first time I've seen him play as much as he did, and he led the team in tackles and uh, playing that outside linebacker position. So I thought he stepped up big time, and uh, it's kind of cool to see going forward and, you know, having him and, he progresses the way he looked looking like with Troy Dye, you know, they're going to be uh, pretty stout there in the linebacker position next year. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, Rex. But the only thing is I feel the front seven continues to play well. I feel like, I feel like those guys are considering what they have, considering that what the offense is doing, I think they're still, still playing well. Um, Levitt, uh, he has his defense front defensive front playing as well as I've seen from Oregon. I mean, it's not like it's not like Oregon has these 6'6", 290, 300 pound monsters across the board. I mean, they're just playing. I mean, they, you know, Justin Hollins is undersized. Uh, yeah. Jalen Jelks is undersized. They got. I mean, they got a couple big dudes. Uh, Scott or what's his first name? Uh, Jordan Scott. Jordan Scott. Yeah, he's a, he's a big boy, but he's still. I mean, he's not in. You not nearly the conditioning level as what they'd want him. He's not strong as we always want him either. Um, yeah. But I think they're just playing really disciplined and fundamental football. Um, because it's when you're that when you're that undersized, you have to play like that. And that's the only reason they keep getting sacks, keep getting pressure on the quarterback, stopping the run. I feel like they're doing a great job against the run. Um, but you would like to see at least one or two turnovers from this defense that helped out that struggling offense. I think that Levitt is just preaching turnovers because I mean it helps out so much when they get the ball. The offense gets the ball back in their own territory. Mm -hmm. They pretty much guarantees a field goal with with Schneider kicking the ball. Um, so they have to get turnovers, They're, whether a fumble, interception, anything, turnover on downs. They have got to get turnovers. Um, 
they didn't get one last week. And UCLA is a turnover happy offense. I mean, what's his Rosen has eight picks. They got some fumbles. They, you know, this team that they could have got a turnover on that team. Um, you know, give UCLA credit; they did play pretty clean football on offense, but um, defense got to force some turnovers going forward. Yeah, I agree. That's that's probably the biggest knock in the last couple weeks here for the Ducks defense. Um, but I thought, as what I what I was saying about the pass rush earlier, I thought I think you definitely got to give UCLA some credit. Um, as far right. as basically every game we've had this season, uh, this was the one that we were around the quarter quarterback the least. Uh, he had Rosen had plenty of time a lot because his offensive line did block very well and uh, they put him in good position positions to uh, throw the ball as well um, but yeah like the, we only had two sacks and uh, both by our outside linebackers Justin Hall uh, by Troy Dye and uh, Lamar Winston so uh, yeah like you said it's um, you know our defense our front seven still played good they tackled well and uh, they stopped they the run they did really well against the run first half they did really well against the run they just had got the pressure we'd seen and uh, watching Rosen it seemed like his mistakes throughout the year have come when he's had pressure or when he's been touched a little bit or at least been close to getting touched and uh, we didn't really get there so I think that also has something to do with the turnovers not getting in a turnover as well boys kind of going off topic here but I just reading online uh, penalties you know we talked about that last week how Duck's been struggling with penalties where I know we're the one of the higher rated teams of getting penalties, only three penalties on 15 yards last week versus UCLA um, over UCLA seven with 67 yards. So kind of unheard of of the Ducks only getting three penalties. Uh, moving on to the film room now. T uh, watched it. Now he's going to talk about it. There's T. Yeah, guys, um, with all this negativity surrounding Oregon football right now, there's really been one consistent right spot. Hell, since he walked into the program last year. Um, as a true freshman, yeah, uh, the guy's Troy Die. Um, Die is a six-three, two hundred twenty-five pound uh, linebacker. He plays the will linebacker position. Um, and I think in the duck system they call it the Jack linebacker. Um, I'm not sure why I'd ever heard of that. Uh, but yeah, he plays a Jack linebacker. Um, in eight games this year, Die has seventy tackles, eight and a half uh, tackles for loss, four sacks, and two forced turnovers. Um, I could I could sit here. I just go on and on about how damn good Die is. But I'm going to keep it to a couple of reasons why he's turning into an elite linebacker. I think right now he's eighth. He has, as, a, as a true sophomore, he's the eighth-rated linebacker in the nation. The first one I want to talk about is eye discipline. Um, uh, in the first half, I don't remember. I don't have a time stamp on it, but they uh, usually ran a screen uh, where they wanted everything to go right. They wanted the whole – I wanted they wanted the entire defense's eyes – well, on defense, it'd be left. So – they wanted the, all the defensive guys, the eyes to go left. They did, you know, they ran like a flat route, a deep route, um, but they came back and hit it with a screen to the uh, to the right and die. So it, when I when it was set up, it looked like this could go for 20, 25, maybe even a touchdown if the guy broke a tackle because there was no one there. And who guess who came darting across the field like a, you know, <laughs> like a little, he's like a rocket going through these, going through these offensive linemen. It was Troy Dye. Because his eye discipline so well, he kept. He's, when you teach a linebacker, you want him to watch the line because the line will tell you where the play is going. If it's a trap, if it's a pass, they 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 can't go downfield on a pass, so they know when they back up it's a pass. When it's a trap, they're going down the line. So these these linebackers really read these linemen. They're not really looking at the running back as much as you think, as much as the average fan think. And and he's the only one on the uh, the field that kept their eye discipline correct. 
and he came darting in there like a like a rocket and made the tackle against it was one on three they had three guys on one and he made the tackle and that's that's what's going to turn him into an elite linebacker going forward in college and then definitely in the next level the next thing i wanted to, to talk about was is just his uncanny ability to be around the football um he seems like no matter what no matter what's going on no matter what the play is if it's a, a down uh a deep pass a short pass a run he's always by the football and that's what you ask your linebackers to be you know he's in the middle of the field go get the football go be around the football make the play and he does consistently um die is going to be die is going to be you know kiko i don't know if you guys know kiko alonzo oh yeah um if you guys remember him but he reminds me a lot of him um I think he's gonna and Kiko's tearing it up in the uh, the NFL right now. So I really, I really, really, there's guy is you know he. We keep talking about how good this defense is, and he is the the main reason why this defense is is stopping the run, getting after the quarterback, because they you know they can put in the middle of the field and just say, hey, you you hold the middle of the field for us, we'll go make the play, and guy's been doing it all year long. Um, so look for big things going forward for this guy. Um, I assume he'll be first team Pac-12 this year. And we'll see what happens going uh, forward for the NFL. There's T.I.V. there talking the film room. Uh, coming up on the Flock Talk, we're going to talk uh, U- the Utah game. They're traveling to town, taking on the Ducks. 245 on the Pac-12 network. Also, we'll mention the World Series. Game 3 coming up Friday night. Uh, last night, man, I hope you watched that game. Houston Astros hit the ball real well on 14 hits. Beat the L.A. Dodgers in L.A last night to uh, tie the series up at one-to-one. So more Flock Talk coming up back in 30 seconds. Driving means freedom, exploration, fun, pride, flexibility, protection, friendship, independence. Distracted driving means danger, recklessness, irresponsible, chaos, police, devastation, tears, death. Safe driving means staying alert and staying alive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. question of the day we posted uh, last week uh, we wanted to hear from you on our facebook page uh go there the u of o flock talk and uh, like our facebook page uh, tyler nelson uh thanks for the comment about uh daring carrington coming back to oregon and he arguing uh one of the best uh wide receivers to play at u of o talking the top three there uh randy cruz also commenting on our page uh talking the fans saying taggart has to go uh, also, only his first season. We haven't even seen uh, what his recruits can do. Uh, thanks for commenting, Randy and Tyler. Uh, boys, I think we have one of the top recruiting classes coming up in 2018. Uh, your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, the recruiting class looks good. Uh, nationally ranked fifth uh, best so far in the Pac-12. So, yeah, it, it looks really good. Yeah, I like what Randy has to say here. Um the fans, he's probably hearing that from whoever. Um, the fans saying that Taggart has to go, that's kind of, that's, that's absolutely irrational. Um, 
starting quarterback came down. These are Herbert's, or excuse me, not Herbert's. These are Helfridge's guys. Um, it's not Taggart's fault that they didn't have a second quarterback developed. I mean, yeah, you had the spring to do it. Willie had the spring to do it, but let's let's not. I mean, let's think. We were four and one or three and one when when Herbert went down, and we were you know moving along just fine. Uh, everyone was happy. Just because we're losing some games now, um, doesn't mean we jump ship on Taggart. Taggart's our future. Um, you can tell by that recruiting class. We've got good things coming. Um, so yeah, I like what Randy has to say here. I agree with him. Um, you know, South Florida did get better every year, and I think we will too. Yeah, and I think uh, another thing to to also keep in mind is just just because we have a good recruiting class, there's still going to be freshmen next year. Exactly. Uh, it will take, you know, this recruiting class, and then it'll take a couple years for that, a year or two for that, and then it'll take the next recruiting class, and it'll take the next recruiting class, and it it'll have to be a cycle. I mean, granted, we have the guys, you know, we have Herbert, and we'll have Troy Die, and we'll, so we'll have the guys to win games, but for it to be solely Taggart's responsibility and uh, 100% on his team, it will be a couple years. And Helfrich, you know, even though he wasn't coached for head coach for very long, it was still his part of his team. It was um, his, his, a lot of his recruiting, especially offensively. So also going to Tyler Nelson's comment, uh, Darren Carrington uh, dismissed from the team uh, earlier, I believe in the spring or the summer it was. Uh, he's at Utah now coming back to Austin Stadium. We can argue one of the top receivers to play at Oregon. Uh, there's a lot of receivers you can argue here, guys. Uh, do you put him in the top three? Uh, yeah, he's not personally in my top three. Is um, I, I think talent-wise, yeah, I think he's probably one of the better receivers ever play with Oregon. He's a very talented kid, um, catches the ball well, great playmaker. But I got some guys that I got some guys that would be in front of them, in front of them, just because of how they acted, how they. Uh, respected the program, uh, like Jordan Kent. Um, yeah, he wasn't the greatest. He only played one year, but I loved it. I remember, I remember when I was little, I loved to watch it, kid, uh, that guy play. I'm Jeff Mail. He's a, you know, Oregon forever. And my favorite, my favorite, favorite player, one of my favorite players ever at Oregon is Lavazier Tuane. And it, um, it's not because of how great of a pass catcher he was, but damn, that guy could block. I remember me and my, uh, me and our buddies would always make jokes that he's an offensive lineman playing receiver. He'd always be down, down, uh, downfield throwing the block for the Michael James or whoever the running back was, and uh, I really respect that in a receiver because if you can't, uh, no block, no rock. Um, so yeah, Lavazier, two and a Jeff Mail and and Jordan Kent would be my my favorite three receivers for in Oregon history. Yeah, I I'll, I kind of put uh, Darren Carrington in that category with Jason Williams, a guy that has just incredible talent but kind of couldn't get out of their own way. Jason Williams a little different than Carrington. He just you know kind of make. Uh, boneheaded plays, drops, fumble, and then, you know, he'd be triple triple covered and he'd make a one-handed grab going out of bounds. So um, he, he's kind of in that category. Uh, yeah, Darren Carrington being suspended for the national championship game puts him definitely a knock. Knocks, yeah. knocks him down a few on the list. But I think mine would be – I'll give you Jeff Mail. I'll give you Jeff Mail. Um, then after that, it's just so tough. I – Pressure, uh, yeah. Pressure, maybe, maybe, maybe Sammy Parker. I like, I like Sammy Parker. He was good. He yeah, was, he was an athlete like Oregon never had when, yeah, when he got there. Um, and then, yeah, maybe, maybe like DJ Davis. He was another guy, kind of like Tune, just incredible blocker, just a team guy. Uh, yep. wasn't really talented. wasn't even supposed to be like 
I don't know if he DJ, walked on, but he wasn't D- supposed to be like a. DJ Davis a was very underrated. He was a yeah. really good receiver. He and was really he solid. Was I mean, he just caught balls. Yeah. He was a big part of that national championship run we had there in 2010. And do you consider do you consider DeAnthony Thomas a receiver? Ooh. Uh, no, just because he didn't he didn't play really I, wide receiver for us. Well, he played. I think more his last year here, he played a lot of slot, and well, he true. was good. He um, was, yeah, he was. Mariota Mariota had a. I remember Mariota's very first game. He threw like three touchdowns to him. Yeah, I mean he was a receiver running back. I mean you could you could put I think you put him either one. He played a lot of slot to get ready for the true. NFL. A lot of good receivers come in and out of Oregon, so hard to argue the top three. Okay, moving on to this Saturday, uh, Utah Utes coming to town. Uh, once again, 245 on the Pac-12 network. Uh, two struggling teams. Uh, Got to say that. Utah started out great in their season, 4-0. Uh, they have three straight losses coming at home to Stanford, and then they had to travel at number 13, USC, which they almost won that game, only losing by a point, 28-27. Uh, and then home versus Arizona State got uh, beat pretty well, 30 to 10. So we got two struggling teams uh, going on to a late uh, afternoon battle at Austin Stadium. Guys, what do you like in this game? Yeah, Gary. Uh, both teams kind of leaking oil right now. Um, two losses in a row for Utah. Um, they, sh- you know, losing to USC wasn't uh, that bad, but losing to Arizona State. You know, Arizona State's a much improved team from the beginning of the year, but they they should have won that game. Utah is now at four and two. Um, they're going to look. They're going to look to capitalize on Oregon's uh, lack of offense because we don't think that Herbert's going to play this week. There's, I think Taggart said that there's always a chance, but you know, there's no chance this week. Um, can't take a hit. So I, you know, Utah is going to look come out gunning, but I think Oregon can hang with these guys. Yeah, I agree. I think as far as matchups go, you know, we kind of said last week that maybe this was the the UCLA was maybe a must win, and then watching the way Utah played, uh, obviously, at home against Arizona State. Oh, now it kind of is like, oh, well, you know, this is kind of a must-win now. Um, and being that it is at Autzen, and, you know, if the defense could play good with a struggling offense, they only Utah offense only scoring 10 points last week. I mean, you know, I mean, granted, Arizona State's defense is really underrated this year. Yeah. It seems like this could this got to be the week, even without with or without Herbert. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did really like that I I had saw that uh, Calvin Throckmorton had said that uh, Braxton Burmeister what kind of was has kind of been speaking up in the locker room and kind of just trying to rally the guys and trying to be a leader basically and uh, you know even I know quarterback that's kind of your job but you know as a freshman and the situation he's in uh, you gotta like that and I think they're rallying around the kid and I think maybe they could you know put some points up maybe score get in the twenties and. Um, if you can, you know, win a 21-17 game at home, you know, that's ideal. So I think the defense is going to be all on the defense to keep them under 20 and all on the offense to score over 20. Yeah, yeah, I agree, Rex. That'd probably be a good number. Um, well, I think the biggest question this game going into it is, will, will Oregon open up their offense? Um, like I mentioned before, we're kind of running three of the same plays, uh, a fly sweep, a fake off the fly sweep, and sometimes, you know, Burn Rice will run. And then we'll, we'll we'll do a rollout pass every now and again too. I like I like the fact that uh, we're rolling rolling Braxton out. Um, you know, it kind of limits the half the field, so he doesn't have to scan the whole field. But at some point, it's we've got to just go on and, and trust Braxton to make the throws and let him throw it on first down. Let him throw it on second second down. Um, 
I look for a lot of play action this week. I think that uh, it's kind of getting known that Royce Freeman's going to run it down your throat. And, you know, if we kind of pull the ball and see if we can get uh, Charles Nelson streaking down the middle of the field, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's let, let's let this kid either, you know, fly or die. You know what I mean? Let's just let him go. Let's let give him the entire offense and see what happens. Yeah. The arms, the arm that he has isn't the problem. He has a great arm. No, he's got uh, a great arm. Seen, I mean, most of the throws, even the throws has been picked or the bad throws, you know, it's been, been where he's wanted it to go and it's, it's gone, you know, far enough and deep enough or whatever, but uh, it's just, you know, the reads or the, the stare downs, it's those, those things, not the arm. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, you know, if you can trust him and he can make those reads, you know, maybe he does get a couple picks, but if he makes a couple more big plays than he does picks, then yeah. that'll be the difference. So, well, I, yeah, I think one thing, Rex, open it up. one thing, Rex, why, I don't know. I'm not questioning the coaches because I'm not one guy to question a coach. Um, I just want to know why. I would like to, I'd like to hear why. I'd like to hear your opinion on this. But why are we running so many wheel routes down the sideline where it's you have to have a perfect pass? I mean, every, it seems like every week, the rest of the, the last two weeks, we've had guys, that's the only route we're running is, is kind of down the sideline. We're not really challenging the middle of the field very often. Yeah, and I actually thought just thought about that because um, there was that one, and it, he didn't even look. I mean, he barely, he literally grabbed yeah, he a snap, and he he stared down. I don't know who was it. Through it, um, who was the receiver? I, it might have been Charles Nelson. I don't I don't I know. It was. Um, like a wheel flat route into a wheel. Yeah, and I think uh, maybe the theory is that like what he just I mean because it, it, he didn't re- even look to read it. So I think maybe that's the okay. Well, he takes the read out. We're gonna throw it no matter what. Try to put it in a position where. Only your maybe, guy can catch it, but the only thing I can think of is if maybe they think the sideline's a little safer than the middle of the field because they got the sideline, yeah. put it to the sideline to where the only receiver can get it. But it, you know, yeah, it's not really it. working because every it feels like every interception is kind of on the sideline. And then that you know Charles Nelson almost caught that one ball, and it was a good ball. It was just you know it's a hard that's a hard play you got to have hard throw. That's a hard throw. A guy like Charles play. Nelson because Charles isn't very big, so you know if you had a guy like Darren Carrington, for example. Uh, it'd be a little bit easier just because he got a little bit more size and leap. You know, Carrington's not very tall, but he's got he's got he's some got pops. Leaping ability, he can create yeah. some separation. So yeah, I just I think maybe it takes Reed out, but uh, I've I noticed that too. Yeah, maybe we'll, I think we'll challenge the middle of the field maybe this week, hopefully. So uh, one short thing here to kind of end the show. Uh, Vegas already coming out with the spread and the over under. Uh, I'm going under on this fifty. Uh, under 50. You know what? I'm going to be risky and say over. Okay. I'm going to go under or right at and, it. Uh, I think I'd put a lot of money on my under on this game. Yeah. <laughs> All the money that I don't have. Um, matchup prediction on ESPN. Uh, man, I don't know who's running this ESPN football <laughs> power index. I don't know if these guys are drunk or what. Has Oregon winning... 73 and a half over Utah's 26 and a half. Is Utah that bad? Well, no. it's uh, I mean, it, it goes off common opponents and strength of schedule at home or away. You know, Oregon only loses Arizona State by two. That's one does of it, our only common opponents so far. Does it take uh, uh per- don't take injuries, does it? Doesn't take injuries. It okay. doesn't take Yeah, that's the reason. It doesn't take injuries. It's a, it's a computer schedule kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think they spend any time on it because. Uh, it, it had Oregon win in about almost every game so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just saying that because Utah only two weeks ago lost at USC 28-27. I mean, that game could have went either way. 
Well, they, watching that game. they went for two. They went for two to try to win the game instead of kicking the field goal. So right. they if they were kicking the field goal, they might have actually won that game still. Right. Yeah, they always go for the win on the road. Yeah, that was. You know, I, a lot of people question those kind of calls, but you know what? I I kind of like the call. You know, it didn't work out, mm -hmm. but you know, go for the win. What the hell? Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Especially if you already got a loss, you know, and you got to make big win here. All right, before we wrap things up here on the Flock Talk, uh, Portland Trailblazers told you we we're going to talk uh, just a mention. Um, a little bit. Uh, four and one on the season so far, getting wins at Phoenix, Indiana, and versus uh, New Orleans. Only loss coming um, at Milwaukee. Uh, they also play tonight versus the Clippers. Uh, I know Rex, you're not much of a Rip City guy, but I know T is. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a game for six bucks. Gonna make the trip? <laughs> <laughs> no, not to Portland. <laughs> Try to stay much as you can out of Portland. Also, World Series Game Three coming up tonight. Man, what a game last night! I don't know if uh, any of you guys got to watch that, but uh, went into extra innings, eleven innings. Astros ended up getting the win, seven to six. Uh, but just a fun baseball game to watch. I usually don't watch much baseball, but only watch the games um, in the postseason. Uh, yeah, both October the, baseball. What's it's that? Fun to watch. October baseball is fun to watch. Oh yeah. Uh, just, you know, Houston had to score two runs after the seventh inning. They scored one in the eighth, one in the ninth, uh, and they ended up scoring two in the tenth. And we get to the uh, bottom of the tenth inning. Dodgers ended up scoring two, so forced eleventh inning. We move on to the eleventh. Uh, Houston jacks two solos out to left, and then uh, the Dodgers do as well. They hit one out to right in the bottom of the eleventh. Thought it was going to go into more innings. Um, but uh, their uh, reliever came in, uh, Houston. They did a pitching change and ended up winning that game 7-6 off 14 hits. So it was just a real fun game to watch last night in the World Series. That's going to do it for us today on the Flock Talk. Uh, make sure you tell your friends, like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Uh, for the pros of the show, Rex Gardner and T.I.B., my name's Gary Steiner. See you next week. Thanks for listening.